Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. The Advertising Show with Ray and Brad here. Welcome back. Being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a copyright to Big Radio Midgets production. We've got Alex Ben Block out of L.A. with us uh, this week and a couple of weeks down the road as well. We'll talk to Alex about what's cooking in the entertainment industry and always a great conversation with Alex. Speaking of, uh, by the way, Brad, uh, welcome. And uh, if we haven't said it already, Happy New Year once again. And Happy New Year to you, and another year is in the history books, and a new year before it. I like that. It's a good thing. I'm glad that uh, 2010 worked. I'm hoping that 2011 works a little bit better. Uh, uh, Own, the Oprah Network, uh, opens uh, strong, apparently, with uh, strong ratings among women. According to uh, uh, this article out of the Wall Street Journal, it says the new cable network, which uh, debuted at noon on New Year's Day, attracted more women in the 25 to 54 demo, then then all but two other cable channels, ESPN and USA, according to OWN. The uh, new network, which is operated jointly by Discovery Communications and Oprah Winfrey, launched to 80 million homes in the channel position that used to be uh, belonged to uh, Discovery Health. By the way, there were some great shows on Discovery Health. They're gone. <laughs> Oprah decided, uh, nah, we don't want those. It's... Uh, We'll take what we have uh, new stuff here as well, but Discovery, a big player in the uh, in the uh, you know the audience getting race, and uh, now along with Oprah, I guess we'll see a lot more uh, interesting things going on there. What's your take on that, Brad? Well, you know, we'll see what goes with Oprah. Time will tell. I imagine everybody will, out of curiosity, as they did with Conan and any other type of new program that is from a well-known entity. They sample it, they test it, but the true test will be uh, will be the long term. And by the way, when I saw this guy, Ted Williams, the, the golden voice announcer, the homeless guy yeah. on TV out of Columbus, I immediately thought, Ray, if anything ever happens to you, mm-hmm. and you and you're out there doing a little panhandling, mm-hmm. you've got a new way of doing it to kind of, you know, put the leg up to other winos that just are, you know, sticking their hand out now that we've seen how well Ted has done. And before I get into, uh, you know, really... Well, no, wait, 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 wait. You know, the funny thing is, when I saw Ted, I thought of you uh, as well, uh, <laughs> uh, especially after they cleaned him up. You know, you you guys uh, kind of, in, in a positive, in a nice way, resemble each other. Did you did you see that? And, and the reason I say that is, if you're listening, take the time to look at Ted and then take a look at the picture of Brad on the ad show or on Facebook or wherever you go. And mm-hmm. he's the guy on the left, okay? won't be hard to tell. Uh, but, you know, there's a similarity there, Brad. So I'm just wondering, are you one of his children? Well, as all the listeners will know once they check out those comparisons, uh, we are two uh, Siamese twins that were, you know, cut loose and separated many years ago. But yet the resemblance is, you know, just just riveting in terms of once you see it in fact we'll try to get ted's picture and get it on the side as well but back to my point brilliant move on Kraft's part i thought to yeah. hire this guy because not only is everybody going to play the commercial for free on 
morning breakfast shows here in the U.S. and probably around the world. I don't know if this guy got worldwide coverage, but just simply the fact that Kraft got spoken of in a favorable way and all of that. Some of these others that said they would hire him, it was kind of a flash in the pan and nothing really happened. But Kraft had the presence of mind to get him in the studio get his voice on, uh, you know, recorded and get his voice as actually as a, uh, a voiceover for a TV spot for Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. And it was just a brilliant PR move on Kraft's part, I thought. I think so, too. And I think we're all praying for this guy just to, just to stay away from the riffraff and let this indeed be a second and wonderful opportunity for uh, for success. He seems like uh, the kind of person that you just want to cheer for. So we got to keep our fingers crossed and all that kind of good stuff. And, and do, do, the, uh, ma- do the magic 102 for me, Ray, just in <laughs> case. Uh, I've got a quarter here in my hand. You know, it's kind of funny because w- when he first came on, it was like, this guy is like a Ron Radio. And it's like, well, yeah. that's, that's not yeah. a good thing. And, magic but then, 102. Yeah, but, but but after that, you know, he started listening to him. And, and, and truly, this guy He's, does have a God-given yeah. voice. It's It's absolutely and, true. With a little bit of, uh, I'm sure, directing and coaching from behind the scenes. But when you're out there panhandling and trying to make a buck, he was just throwing out, you know, yeah. Rodney radio voice, as you say. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it was not it was not good. But no. with some coaching, he did he did sound good, and he sounded good. What was he? He was on uh, uh, some of these late night talk shows, doing some voiceover. He did the Today Show voiceover. Yeah, right. Exactly. It was good. Hey, I uh, talk about our uh, good old relationship as we continue into the new year. You have a minute to do that, Brad. Quickly do that, please. Well, okay, I'll do it in less than a minute. Yeah. Uh, if you've been listening at any time at all, you know that to get your free audio download of an audio book from audible.com, it's real simple, or a 14-day free trial, just go to audiblepodcast.com slash show and get to choose from over 75,000 titles of audio books for your iPod or MP3 player. It's that simple. Just go to audio. I'm sorry, audiblepodcast.com slash show and sign up. Tell a friend about the 14-day trial. It's only for you, the advertising show listeners. So there you go, Ray. We are uh, thankful to have uh, audible.com as a part of the uh uh, the advertising show as we roll into uh, 2011 as well. So we thank, uh, thankful for that. Uh, uh, and, and you see what I'm saying, folks? Did you did you hear what Brad just did? Didn't that sound like Ted Williams? It even sounds like him. So I'm just thinking. Dot com. Exactly. Exactly. Craft. Uh, anyway, hey, Groupon in the news here making a big bid on traditional TV. They're, they bought a, a Super, Gome, uh, Super Bowl pregame spot. It's funny, Brad. I saw with Groupon. I saw. A blog uh, recently, the last week or so, about Groupon not good for small business. It's yeah. like, well, well, well okay, you uh, go bankrupt if you put an offer out there and enough people come, right? You yeah. talked about that several months ago. Exactly, but there's moving ahead. Uh, uh, Groupon turned down an acquisition offer from Google, six billion dollars. Yeah. Um, was stupid, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, maybe so. Who knows? We'll see what happens with Groupon here as well. We've got. Uh, We've got uh, Jeremy Kent coming here uh, momentarily on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. Advertising Show is being powered by Shipple.com. Shipple.com is an incredible marketing platform, and they, uh, they, it's a tool called Tendency. They've got a lot of other cool stuff that goes along with that as well, so check it out at Shipple.com. Uh, right now, uh, the magic of uh, whatever we do here on the Advertising Show and how we do it, uh, we bring you our European news correspondent all the way from Europe. Isn't this amazing? It's Jeremy Kent with Ray Schilling to Brad Forsyth. Let's listen. 
Hello and welcome to London for the European News Desk. I'm Jeremy Kent. This week, Topshop plans global expansion, EDF energises the London Eye and P&G becomes the UK's largest advertiser. British billionaire Sir Philip Green has announced international expansion plans for his high street fashion chain Topshop. In a move intended to double the clothing brands all over sales, the five-year plan will see the new stores open across Australia, Asia and the United States. Currently, Topshop has around 450 stores across the UK, continental Europe and the Middle East. Last August, the chain announced that it would be scaling back its involvement with supermodel Kate Moss. The association goes back to 2007, but the last collection, which arrived in stores back in October, will be Kate's last full range for Topshop. Since its completion at the turn of the century, the London Eye has become an iconic landmark on the London skyline. For its first eight years, the Eye was sponsored by British Airways. Now, after a couple of years without a title sponsor... EDF Energy has signed a new three-year deal. The French utility giant is already a Tier 1 sponsor of the London Olympics and plans to use the new sponsorship of the Eye to promote its vision of a low-carbon future. The London Eye will display the new brand identity when it reopens after annual maintenance at the end of January. And finally, Procter & Gamble has replaced the British government as the UK's largest advertiser. The coalition's austerity measures have led to a 47% fall in government advertising spend. When the coalition came to power last May... Ad spend was frozen and only essential advertising was allowed to run. As a result, the Central Office of Information, which had spent $350 million in 2009, cut its expenditure to just $175 million last year. In contrast, Procter & Gamble increased its ad spend last year up from $221 million to $295 million, a leap of around 33%. B-Sky-B moved up into second position with an increase of 20% to $250 million and Unilever and Tesco took third and fourth places as the government dropped down to number five. This is Jeremy Kent at the European News Desk for The Advertising Show. As promised here on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, we start the year off right with our very good friend Alex Van Block out of Los Angeles. Alex, welcome back to The Advertising Show. You've probably said this and been said this too. Happy New Year. It's great to have you. Thank you and Happy New Year to both of you and uh, to your audience as well. Thank you. Brad, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Alex, as uh, Ray always says, and we agree, uh, it's one of our highlights of the year, talking about the upcoming uh, awards season. Uh, Let's review some of the highlights from the nominees and wins this year so far, beginning with the uh, Golden Globes. By the time this program airs, the Golden Globes will have aired the day we break with this show. So putting you in the hot seat, uh, (laughs) what would we be expecting to see this year from the Golden Globes? Well, in terms of the best picture winner in drama, which is, of course, the big indicator for the Oscars and other things, it really is a two-picture race, in my opinion. Uh, Social Network, which has swept most of the major critics' races, is clearly a front-runner. But remember, this is the foreign press. And so the King's Speech, which is also uh, highly nominated and likely to win some awards, could also be the best picture winner here. It wouldn't be that big a surprise, uh, even if Social Network went on to win at the Oscars. And if you look at, uh, you know, last year when the Hurt Locker swept most of the critics' awards, uh, Social Network has kind of followed the same pattern, and so it, it really seems Oscar-bound. But uh, King's Speech could well do it. But you've got some other pretty good pictures up uh, in this group, including The Fighter and uh, uh, Inception and some others. So uh, it's going to be an interesting race. You know, the uh, DGA 75th anniversary uh, is happening this year from, I guess, founded in 36, now in 20, 
11, and they also recently announced their outstanding directorial achievement in uh, a variety of categories, one in particular uh, documentary for 2010, an unsung category, one that doesn't get a lot of a lot of attention, but yet one that can uh, can put some directors as well as their topic on the map. We have uh, Lixie, Lixon Fan, uh, Last Train Home. We have Charles Ferguson, Inside Job, Alex Gibney, uh, Client Nine, as well as uh, David Guggenheim, Waiting for Superman, uh, and rounding it out, the uh, Tim Hetherington and Sebastian Junger uh, for Retros, uh, Rest, Restropro, I guess it is. Uh, any thoughts on that before we go to the other categories for the DGAs this year? Well, I'll bet my 25 cents on Waiting for Superman. It's uh, an important hmm. movie. It's uh, a disturbing uh, documentary looking at what's going on with American education. Uh, it's got a lot of momentum, uh, and uh, I think it's got uh, the power and could well be the one to dominate. So the other uh, the other categories, and I had that in front of me, and it's uh, I'm missing that information. Do you have that handy, uh, Alex? I apologize. No, let's for talk this. about best director for a feature film, which is uh, you know kind of the, the headline here. Uh, and I think again, uh, David Fincher, who's a very well known director at Social Network, Tom Hooper for King's Speech, uh, Chris Nolan for the big summer hit Inception. Darren Aronofsky for Black Swan, uh, David O. Russell for The Fighter, uh, are all up. And I think uh, you probably got to figure that uh, David Fincher is probably the favorite in this category. But if Tom Hooper or Chris Nolan won, that wouldn't be a surprise. If Darren Aronofsky or David Russell won, that would be a surprise. And, of course, the name that's missing there is the Cone Brothers for True Grit, who, who surprisingly did not make the list, but there's only five of them, and not everybody can make it. So I'll put my money on uh, David Fincher for the social network. There you go. You know, uh, DGA Awards, uh, just as a little sideline, when I was doing my uh, research here for today's show, six times, uh, probably not news to you, Alex, but to many of our listeners, six times, only six times, has the featured film winner not gone on to win the corresponding Academy Award. So I assume that we can pretty much place our bets now uh, once we see this uh, uh, play out as far as what will ultimately be the Academy Awards. You, you line up with that thinking? Yeah, I mean, statistically, you have to line up with it. It's almost a sure thing every year. And what's interesting is not only do the winners of the DGA Award typically go on to win the Oscar almost every time, and there are some exceptions, but because you now have 10 Best Picture nominees, if you want to narrow it down to the five Best Picture nominees that really have a chance, I would use the director's list more than anything else. That same group that we just talked about, uh, I think all of them are going to be uh, in the list of 10, but those five are the ones at the end of the day that I think are going to be the major winners on Oscar night. Yeah, and just to wrap up this segment before we move on, the Writers Guild of America has announced nominations for Outstanding Achievement in Writing for the Screen during 2010. And I understand, Alex, the WGA has three categories that will be honored at this year's Writers Guild Award Ceremony held February 5th. And that is the categories of Original Screenplay, Adapted Screenplay, and Documentary Screenplay. Uh, I'm wondering if you can take us through these nominees as I see Original Screenplay uh, again, Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, The Kids Are All Right, Please Give. Uh, you, you, you seem to think Black Swan is going to be taking this, I understand. Because you have to be a WGA signatory in order to make this list. 
But let's go through these three categories briefly. So under original screenplay, uh, you know, again, my personal favorite here probably would be uh, The Fighter, which I think is a fabulous movie, uh, screenplay by Scott Silver and Paul Tamasey and Eric Johnson, story by Keith Dorrington and Tamasey and Johnson. Uh, but, you know, Black Swan, probably not the winner, but very well done. Inception uh, could be a surprise, not too likely. The kids are all right, uh, got to be considered a dark horse. And Please Give, which was an independent film uh, that uh, didn't get really mainstream uh, release, is probably thrilled just to be on the list. Adapted screenplay, uh, big surprise here that I love you, Philip Morris is on there at all. Uh, probably The Social Network has to be considered the uh, most likely winner, True Grit, but the screenplay by the Cone Brothers, who also directed, uh, has to be considered a contender. The Town, which was a very well-received film, uh, you know, directed by Ben Affleck, who's also one of the writers on it, is right in there. And 127 Hours, but that's more, uh, you know, Danny Boyle wrote the screenplay as well as directed. Uh, but that's more James Franco for the acting, I think. And, you know, James Franco and Anne Hathaway are going to be the host of the Oscars. And uh, both of them could be nominated as well. Getting caught up on what's cooking uh, with the entertainment industry here with uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. We've got, uh, we're going to take a break just for a moment here and continue our conversation here on The Advertising Show. See right here. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy. Let your aching head and stomach hear this message from Old Speedy. Alex Ben Block, our guest this week on The Advertising Show, is an award-winning entertainment industry journalist, author, commentator, and talk show host, senior editor of The Hollywood Reporter, lead editor on the book George Lucas's Blockbusting, published to uh, great acclaim uh, just about a year ago. He's also the show business historian for, historian for Hollywood today, and of course, always a welcome guest and a regular contributor here at the Advertising Show. Alex, welcome back. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, uh, returning just for a moment to the adapted screenplay play category, uh, screenplay category that you were just speaking of, Alex. Uh, I'm curious. I'm assuming that you've seen both True Grit and The Social Network. Before I ask you these questions, am I? Sure. I've seen trusting both. In it? I've actually seen every movie in the category. Okay. I figured such. Uh, with regard to uh, True Grit, did you, when they first announced that was coming out, have any trepidation as to, you know, taking such a well-known movie <laughs> and trying to well redo done. it? I know the Coen brothers had their ideas, but did, were you concerned about that before you saw it? Trepidation, but for maybe different reasons. I didn't really like the original True Grit with John Wayne very much. Wow. I thought, uh, you know, it was at the very end of John Wayne's career, and I'm not the world's biggest John Wayne fan to start. And I thought he kind of uh, slept his way through it. The girl was okay, and, uh, and the movie was okay, but it was a very loose adaptation of the book. Uh, so my concern was more like, who wants to see a Western, and why would they bother? And uh, I was very surprised how much I liked it. I really enjoyed this one and thought that what the Coen brothers did is much better than the original. And uh, I think that the uh, acting, uh, and I know people complain that Jeff Bridges mumbles and you can't tell what he's saying, but I could tell what he was saying. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I thought Matt Damon was almost unrecognizable. He was so deep into that role. He was terrific. 
and the uh, young actress uh, uh, Hallie Steinfeld uh, is a possible supporting actress nominee at the Oscars, and I thought it was terrific. And uh, not only was it a good piece of entertainment, but it's the big box office surprise hit of the holiday season. <laughs> America turned out to see a Western. Who could imagine? <laughs> really? Hmm. Yeah, and I, it's not so Western-y as you would expect a John Wayne movie to be. You know, uh, Aaron Sorkin, uh, what a wonderful writer, and the writer that wrote the screenplay for The Social Network, to my way of thinking, I want to get you to weigh in on this. I thought it was just uh, outstanding the way he was able to take a subject and lay it out there and not necessarily align himself with, uh, you know, the founder, Zuckerberg, or the people, the twins that are making their alleged, uh, you know, thoughts about who owns what property with regard to Facebook. And I'm just curious, uh, did you get that same feeling as you watched that the watched the movie that it was pretty you know even handed in the way it handled the subject matter? Uh, yeah, because there are no heroes and no good guys in the whole movie. Everybody's a stinker, including uh, the guy who Jesse Eisenberg plays, uh, the actual founder of Facebook. They're all pretty unsympathetic characters, and I thought it was very well written. You know, there's a lot of controversy around the fact that uh, it's loosely based as best on reality. And, uh, you know, uh, they admitted that they sort of they had flights of fancy and uh, a lot of imagination went into this. And they did uh, clearly use some of the legal transcripts to incorporate them into it. But a lot of the scenes were made up or played with. But, uh, you know, I thought it was uh, pretty even-handed in that, uh, you know, everybody had a defined character and you understood where they were coming from and, and I guess you could be sympathetic with the people who uh, were after the guy as well as the guy himself. So it was even-handed. The question is, is there anybody to like in the whole movie? <laughs> yeah. well, I guess going in the door, you think when a subject like that's going to be tackled, you start asking yourself who are, who's going to be the hero and who's going to be the goat here. And it, I thought it was... Uh, you know, leave it up to the audience, which is the best way to handle that. We're going to leave talking about the Critics' Choice Awards for the last segment, but we'll wrap it up uh, this segment by talking about the uh, nominees for the 17th Annual Screen Actors Guild Awards, which were announced December 16th. Uh, I understand that uh, it's kind of a strange uh, th thing here. I wanted to get your thoughts on the fact that it's a not that, a, that it's a live event that's going to be happening on January 30th, but the fact that it will be simulcast both on TNT and TBS. And my immediate thought was, does the fact that Conan O'Brien's over there at TBS have anything to do with the simulcast? Well, I think they've simulcasted in the past. This is a very big, very expensive event for the Turner Broadcasting Company, which, of course, is a division of Time Warner. And uh, in order to get the largest possible cumulative ratings in order to charge the most money for advertising. That's why they put it on both of them. Uh, and they own both channels. They can pretty much do what they want with them. But uh, it's really about trying to get the widest audience possible because uh, they have a huge investment here. And as far as the uh, upcoming uh, categories for the Screen Actors Guild, any, any standouts to your way of thinking? Well, you know, uh, again, uh, the actors are a little different than everybody else, and, uh, and they make their choices. And I think... You know, you can't underestimate Social Network and The Fighter uh, as the pictures that are front runners in all these categories and have terrific performances. And, uh, you know, for actor, uh, you, know, uh, you know, there's some very good acting here. And I think uh, 
you know, uh, I'll put my money on the fighter. I think uh, Christian Bell is uh, probably uh, going to win everything there is to win for supporting actor this year, whether it's SAG or the Critics' Choice or the Oscars or the Golden Globes. And I'd be amazed if he didn't win all of them. Out of L.A., it's uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, along with Alex Bendlock, award-winning entertainment industry journalist, author, commentator, and talk show host here with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. We continue the conversation and uh, bring you more up-to-date of what's cooking in uh, 2011 here with uh, Ray and Brad on the Advertising Show. Glad you're listening. The Advertising Show, so happy you're listening here in the new year with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And uh, we figured we'd start off the year right. We brought in Alex Benblog, not only for this week. We'll have him back uh, a little bit later on toward the end of the month as well uh, for uh, another uh, recap here of what's cooking in 2011. Alex, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Well, as we mentioned during the first segment, not only the Golden Globes this Sunday, but we also have the uh, Critics' Choice Awards will be airing this Friday. And just to remind everyone, we're recording this a few days prior to that event. So, uh, curious, uh, were you surprised with regard to the Critics' Choice Awards that uh, the Black Swan led with a record 12 nominations for this year's 16th Annual Critics' Choice Movie Awards? I can't say I was terribly surprised because I'm a big fan of the Black Swan, even though not everybody is, and it's kind of a mix of a horror movie and some other elements uh, in an odd way. Uh, I thought it was a terrific, creative, interesting, powerful movie. And I think Natalie Portman is probably the one who's going to win most of the awards out of it. I think if she doesn't win the Oscar as Best Actress, I'd be extremely surprised. And I think she's got a pretty good shot at winning the Golden Globe, and I think she'll probably win the Critics' Choice as Best Actress as well. So even though Black Swan got the most nominations, it doesn't mean it's going to get the highest awards. I still yeah. think uh, Social Network, uh, King's Speech, The Fighter are, uh, are all right up there as well. Uh, but Black Swan, I think, in terms of the acting, is going to be a serious contender. You know, and uh, before I ask you your thoughts on uh, the Academy Awards this year, which I think is going to follow suit with a lot of your commentary about uh, other categories with other awards that we've discussed already today, but before we chat about that, you've been to a lot of these events. Alex, give us a little insight as to what us common folk might find interesting that you see as a member out in the audience that takes place at the uh, Academy Awards, People Choice, any of these uh, type of awards? Well, the first thing you have to remember is they're also television shows. And if you've ever attended a television show, it's not like watching it on TV where it all happens quickly and in order and, and you just have a few annoying commercials in between. Uh, they break these things up. During the commercial, there's long periods when you sit around waiting for the next thing to happen. Sometimes they stop the show and redo stuff. Not so much with the Oscars, of course, but... Uh, you know, it is a television show, but, uh, you know, the Oscars have their own aura. And one issue going to any of these today is security. It used to be that you went and you had a pass and you said, you know, showed your pass to a couple of people. Now it's many, many people have to see your pass. You can have all kinds of credentials. Uh, in the case of the Golden Globes or the Oscars in Los Angeles, they literally block off the streets for a half a mile or more, a perimeter all around the auditorium. It's not just the auditorium itself. And so you really have to kind of run a gauntlet to get in there. But it is glamorous. There's the big red carpet and, uh, you know, people walking along and tons of paparazzi and reporters and cameras. And uh, once you're inside, it's, uh, it's like a little club in there. Everybody is saying hello and hugging each other and seeing friends they haven't seen in a while. 
And, uh, and then, of course, you have the famous seat fillers and all these things where every time there's an empty seat, they bring somebody down who's dressed in a tuxedo or a gown, and they make them sit in the seat, and then uh, in case the camera pans by, they don't want to see any empty seats. So, uh, you know, it can be a long sit. And for a lot of people who are nominated in a certain category, they're waiting for that category. And if they lose, it's a really long night. <laughs> but uh, then afterwards, there's usually a big party. In the case of the Oscars, the Governor's Ball. Uh, in the case of the Golden Globes, there's a ton of parties afterwards. And I'm going to be going to at least three of those parties this weekend. HBO always puts on a really great party. Uh, I'll be at the Relativity slash uh, Weinstein Company party and also at the NBC Universal party. And they're all within the complex at the Beverly Hilton, and it's a lot of fun to go from one to the other and kind of see everybody as you go. Are the celebrities and actors and the hot shots, are they all on for this type of event? Are they, are they a little guarded, or do you find that some are cutting loose and drinking and maybe doing things they shouldn't <laughs> be doing? Or? Well, you know, the Golden Globes are famous for their party atmosphere, and they uh, put you at a table and feed you dinner and, and give you booze before the show starts. So that's why sometimes you see odd things happen on the Golden Globes you won't see on any other show. Really? Uh, whereas the Oscars, everybody is really sober and really uptight and really tense, and everybody by then has practiced their speech and knows what they want to say pretty much. Uh, some of the smaller awards, like the Critics' Choice, you know, oddball things can happen. But uh, you've got a phenomenon here where the same consensus group of actors, directors, producers tend to go to one thing after another, and they get a little bit giddy about it, and they'll start saying some silly things sometimes just because they're bored with having said everything before. <laughs> you know, oh, I won the SAG Awards, I won the Critics' Choice, I won the Golden Gloves, and now i got to go to the Oscars and say it again. And to them, unless they say something new, it's boring. Whereas the audience doesn't know the difference. They just know that this goofy guy is uh, <laughs> shooting his mouth off. Hey, uh, Alex, you're headed to the uh, NAPTI uh, convention in Miami Beach at the end of the month. Anything uh, you're looking uh, forward uh, at, at that event uh, coming up here? Well, NAPTI's going to be different this year. It's all suites and not really much of a convention floor. Also, because it's in South Florida, we expect a very big Latin American uh, attendance and contingent. Uh, that flavor should be very interesting. And whereas in past years it's been in a number of different locations, it's pretty much concentrated in and around the Fountain Blue Hotel this time. And so uh, that should kind of keep everybody together. We're expecting about 5,000 people. There's some really good sessions. My old pal Regis Philbin is going to be there and get an, uh, one of the Brandon Tartikoff Legacy Awards. <laughs> um, Jeff Zucker of NBC Universal, the outgoing head uh, there, uh, he's gone as soon as the merger happens, is going to be making one of his last appearances. And, uh, you know, the TV business has had some pretty tough times in recent years, so this is the convention of the survivors who are coming back. And, uh, you know, syndication, the Oprah changed. This is the end of the Oprah's last season on broadcast. So, uh, you know, and she started the own network on cable, but that's very different. And so there's a big scramble among various people, especially Anderson Cooper's new talk show, to fill in the time slots for Oprah. So I'm looking, uh, this is South Beach, so I'm looking for a party atmosphere, <laughs> lots of Latin flavor, and uh, the TV industry breathing a sigh of relief that the advertisers seem to be coming back. Bring us a T-shirt, would you please? Anything you want. All right, good. One with palm trees? 
Palm trees will be fine. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Ray and Brad on the Advertising Show. We've got uh, more with Alex uh, coming up. We'll jump over next week, but get him back here uh, back at the end of the month here to uh, to talk more with Alex Benblock, the award-winning entertainment industry journalist, author, commentator, and talk show host, and senior editor of The Hollywood Reporter. We've got, uh, well, we'll do a quick wrap here on the Advertising Show, and uh, we'll do that in just a moment. Stay with us. By the way, next week we've got uh, DJ Edgerton, who happens to be CEO of an organization called Zamoga. I mean, if you don't know what Zamoga is, isn't that just enough to get you listening here? I'm sure it is. Uh, so that's next week on the Advertising Show. Again, thanks to Alex, and look for him to uh, join us around the end of the month uh, to come back and tell us more about our uh, industry and the advertising industry and the entertainment industry as well. So we hope you enjoyed hey, the show uh, Ray, today. what's that on your shirt right there? Oh, that's Zamoga. I see Zamoga, that yeah. Yeah, I had some uh, f- uh, flavored Zamoga. It's wonderful. Would you like a sugar cone with that? It's good. No, I'll pass. Okay, very good. The uh, Advertising Show, <laughs> Glad You're Listening, is being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. You can visit them online at adage.com. Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, are you going to come back next week? Of course you are. The Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.